You're listening to the Mr. Sensational Kino Freedom Podcast on the Odyssey Robots Radio Network. Yo, folks, it's me. It is me. It is Mr. Sensational Gino Vega coming to you with episode 35 of the Mr. Sensational Gino Vega podcast on the IC Robots Radio Network. Now, in the time it took you to hear that little intro spiel, through the magic of audio editing, I went back in time myself and listen to it, along with you, wherever you are, in space and time, to determine that there was, in fact, nothing wrong with uh, the performance of my blue snowball microphone that I used to record. Because um, the blue snowball microphone took a spill the other day. Uh, Here at Sensational Manor, we have three cats that live with us. Three... uh, feline friends that share the manor. And those uh, feline friends are Summer, a female black cat who uh, is about seven years old, and then two roughly two-year-old boys, uh, a tabby named Flynn, and a wild and crazy black and white cat named Ozzy. Ozzy's actually his nickname. His full name is Oswald. He was named after that uh, early pre-Mickey Mouse Disney character, Oswald. But we call him Ozzy for short, but that actually works out as well because he is a madman. You know, Ozzy, Diary of a Madman. So works either way, always, uh, any way, any way you want it. That's the way you need it. Any way you want it. Something like that. Uh, yeah, so we've got the three cats, three indoor cats. And early on in the boy cats, the two boy cats life with us, uh, our older girl Summer was not a fan of these boys. She particularly had a big problem with Oswald um, because as it turns out, Oswald was not raised by a cat mother. Oswald, when he was very young, was bottle fed by a human being. And so we have come to deduce that he did not have certain young male feline senses beaten into him by a mother. And this seems to really agitate Summer, who picks up on this, picks up on some of his skittish, unruly behavior that a cat mother should have nipped in the bud but did not. Therefore, Summer kind of takes it upon herself to want to do this. And the two of them would get in these huge knockout, dragout fights. They weren't really a fight. They were more like a squash match. It was just Summer Summer just beating the crap out of poor Oswald, who would then proceed to urinate on the floor. So uh, we tried various methods of uh, kind of squashing the beef. Nothing was particularly successful. And so it led to this limbo time period where we were keeping the cats away from each other. The uh, two male cats were kept inside of me and Ms. Sensational's palatial master bedroom suite with the door closed. Uh, And then Summer had the run of the house to herself. Then every so often we would switch them up for a bit and then switch them back. But basically we were we were the, the cats were inside our home leading separate lives 
uh, as we're looking forward to moving here in a few months, we decided we kind of want to try to experiment with reintegrating them again uh, because it would be easier not to have to do this dance in our new home. And we figured, as with many things, you know, time heals all wounds. There's no way these cats are going to go through their entire life not being able to hang, being around one another. Uh, and so it'd been, I don't know, I'd say like about six months to a year of the separation. And uh, so we decided over the last week or so to open the door to the master suite, uh, let the chips fall where they may. And uh, let the cats all have free roam of the house all at the same time once again. And after a little bit of puffing and hissing, uh, it's all died down. They're all just chilling. Then uh, completely, uh, completely unperturbed by one another's presence. So, so like many things in life, uh, let it ride for long enough and everything worked out. And here we are. With the cats back in harmony in sensational manner. Why am I even telling this story? Oh, the whole reason I'm telling this story is because... So Summer's pretty chill. She's older. Uh, she's seven. She is just content to kind of do her thing. And she doesn't really mix it up with inanimate objects. The boys, on the other hand, are still, still in their second year, somewhat destructive terrors. Not as bad as it was, but still not... You can't, you can't trust them. And so... Uh, I came out the other day and the blue snowball microphone was unceremoniously, had been dropped on its head, had been dropped on its head and neck, much like a uh, All Japan pro wrestling professional wrestler in the 1990s, much like uh, Mitsuhara Masawa and Toshiaki Kawada and Dr. Death Steve Williams and Johnny Ace and Ted DiBiase and uh, I, did I already say Dr. Death Steve Williams and Terry Bam Bam Gordy. Uh, the blue snowball microphone was unsafely dropped on its head and neck uh, to a huge pop of the crowd, but to quite a bit of concern on my part because I didn't know if the microphone would still be operable. Uh, the kind of fancy chrome nameplate had gone snapping off. Put that back on, but it seems to be working. It's all, all is good in the hood. Uh, yeah, so this model cool. microphone was recommended to me many moons ago now, years ago by IC Robots. When uh, I decided I wanted to dip a toe in the podcasting game, I asked what kind of USB microphone he recommended, and he led me to the Blue Snowball. I don't know if that's still his microphone of choice today, but I think it was back then, and I have been using this one ever since. And uh, yeah, I wasn't really looking forward to, to, to purchasing a new one. Um, had a, a moment uh, a while back where... Uh, <laughs> My dad um, had the next uh, iteration up microphone. He had a, uh, I think it was a blue Yeti, blue Yeti microphone. And uh, getting, using the, uh, the WCW superstar Conan's uh, preferred pronunciation of that word, Y-E-T-I, the big kind of abominable snowman creature, the Yeti. Um, I used to think it was a Yeti, but I've heard Conan call it a Yeti so many times now that, that, that that's what it is to me, too, now. I'm all on board the Yeti train. But, um, yeah, my dad had this blue snowball, uh, or not, had blue microphone Yeti. And uh, I don't even know what he was using it for. He did not have uh, really use of his hands um, in the later years of his life, and a lot of his uh, computer stuff was voice-activated. So he might have had it for that. 
But uh, as I, I think I've talked about this on the show, some of you may know my dad. My dad left this mortal coil back in July, and uh, my mom kept trying to give me various um, items of his. <laughs> It's kind of awkward towards the end because we knew the end was near. And my mom was already trying to kind of clear out some of the stuff like you go over there to uh, visit, uh, you know, when uh, uh, he was on death's door. And my mom's trying to like hand you, hand you a six pack of beer as you walk. Out the door. He had this beer, but he can't drink anymore. Do you want it? It's like, uh, yeah, OK, I guess. Sure. Uh, can we do this next week? I don't know. <laughs> but anyway, of all the objects, of all the items, oh, yeah, there were... There were uh, Articles of clothing, uh, knickknacks, this, that, the third. A lot of stuff I had no sentimental attachment to, no, nothing like that. The one object I kind of coveted was the blue Yeti microphone, because I figured, you know, I could use that. But when the dust cleared, when uh, all was said and done, when, when the spirit left the body, the blue Yeti microphone was gone. I think my brother ended up with it, which more power to him, because my brother might have even bought it for my dad. I, I, I bear no ill will. I hold no grudge. But it's just funny, because it reminded me of um, when my, my mom's dad died. Um, there were various, there were a lot more siblings involved there. There were four siblings in that case, and there was, there was different angling over different objects, and I, I thought that was kind of funny at the time. And then I, I figured there was absolutely no way that would ever occur with me and my parents, it, save the one blue yeti microphone which i did in fact covet folks it's really funny i was going to kick off the episode today talking about how the time had finally come this was it this was the one this was the episode of the mr sensational gino vega podcast where i had nothing i had nothing for you i had nothing for the tens of ones i was sitting down here in front of the blue snowball uh coming strapped with a can of uh, what's this gimmick called uh soleil some kind of flavored carbonated water uh and that's it. That's all I had. Just, just uh, my the uh, microphone, Soleil, and my word. Isn't that what Scarface said? Um, but yeah, I was bringing nothing to the table today. I had nothing to talk about. I was going to maybe have to do a ritual calling on the podcast gods for inspiration. And here we are, 10 minutes deep, and I don't even know how we got here. Have you guys heard of this uh, fool, uh, what do they call him, John Legend? Because I hadn't. Uh, but yesterday, this guy that my wife, Ms. Sensational, knows from her work, sent her a picture. And it was him and a couple other guys that Ms. S. knew from her work. And they were um, posing with these kind of over-manicured-looking, sort of uh, generic, like if you wanted to create an image of a generic Los Angeles celebrity in the year 2021, you would you would depict these people. Uh, so it was a picture of, of some middling uh, property owner, uh, property developer-type guys, and then some... Los Angeles millennial celebrities, including there was a dude with the proverbial man bun and it looked like he was wearing a robe, which that's kind of cool. Um, 
I, I'm all for the robe uh, as a look. Uh, I, I need a robe. I don't have. I don't. I do not currently have a robe. I would wear one a heck of a lot if I had one, but getting one would uh, necessitate my actually either ordering one online or going to a store to order one. And generally, my clothing purchases. Uh, the timeline is: I realize I need something, or I decide I want something as far as an article of clothing goes, and six, no, about six months is way too generous. A year and a half to two years later, I actually purchased the article, maybe, maybe. Anyway, work acquaintance of Ms. S sent her this picture of him and some of his coworkers posing with obvious celebrities, and it was supposed to be like, oh, check it out, but we honestly did not know who the celebrity or celebrities being pictured were. So did a little bit of deduction. And then she also kind of asked the guy some questions because she didn't want to seem so old and out of touch that she was like, I have no idea who that is. But we finessed the situation, came to find out the focal person of the picture was this individual, John Legend. Keep wanting to call him John E. Legend, like John and then the letter E dot legend. But I think it's just because of so many years of professional wrestling that either is the name of a, of a professional wrestler, professional wrestling manager, or I just feel like it should be. And so I want to call the guy John E. Legend, but John Legend. Um, so it was like John Legend and his designer. I think the designer was the guy in the robe. And then a winemaker that John Legend is doing a wine brand or something with. Hence, I think, why they were in Napa. Um, I also think John Legend, I guess he's married to some other, some famous uh, woman. Um, And maybe they were like looking to move to Napa or like she wants to start. I think also maybe she wants to start some sort of lifestyle store downtown. And and the people that Ms. S knew from her work are involved in property management, property ownership, retail properties downtown. So I guess that's why this was all happening. Anyway, point being uh, to all this, if there is a point, is that this uh, John Legend episode was just one of many, um, as I get older, where I no longer know who every single popular culture celebrity is. I, I, I'm aging, I'm aging out of touch with that, that pulse. My, my, my finger is no longer on the pulse of fame, fortune, and celebrity. Not that it ever really was that much, I'm not a big celebrity guy. Um, but, uh, you know what I mean. It's a, when you're younger, you, you, you're just in tune with these things. And now that I'm becoming older, I'm less in tune. Now, part of it, I would argue, is that I just don't really find young people that cool. I mean, I, I find individual young people I know are, are cool and doing impressive stuff out in the world. But I just, the, 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 the current aesthetic that's out there doesn't resonate with me. Uh, a lot of people wonder why I'm not a fan of AEW, All Elite Wrestling. And it, it's uh, along these same lines. It's like what they're doing is fine. But when I turn on the show, I just see all these like young people that look like dorks. Like they don't, they, there was like all the cool, burly, grizzly, mean looking wrestlers from, from my youth. You know, I don't want to see these like squeaky clean, everyone's your best friend, nice guys and, or, and nice gals and nice people. Uh, and that seems to be more the aesthetic among the youth. More power to them. People should be nicer, but it's not necessarily what I want to see in certain forms of entertainment. Anyway, point being, it's really easy for me and it gets easier by the day to be the, I'm the old guy that doesn't like any new stuff. Uh, and I can feel justified in it because in my day, this stuff was good. And nowadays, the stuff is not so good. Um, and I, I would argue that I feel like there's some, there is some, as, as much as something can approach objective, there, there is some objective truth in that. My own uh, children will um, 
admit sometimes if they hear music from the 90s versus music from now, oh, wow, this old stuff's a lot better. Um, but then again, when I was young, you'd hear certain oldies and it seemed cooler than uh, what was happening currently. And uh, whether it really was or not, I guess, is all perception and in the eye of the beholder. But anyway, so on one hand, it's easy for me to get entrenched in the old guy that doesn't like new stuff. On the other hand, that's very cliche to be the old guy that doesn't like new stuff. Because every old guy of every generation doesn't like new stuff. So at a certain point, is it really that things are on a progressive devolvement spiral into being worse and worse? Or is it just that... Old guys are dumb and stubborn and set in their ways and incapable of adjusting or adapting. There's definitely some truth to that argument as well. But then check this out. This is weird. I understand the old person not being able to hang with the new. That makes a lot of sense. Uh, I read somewhere once that uh, the average person stops uh, being able to take on... um, new music after the average age of maybe like 26 or 28. That's when the peak of being receptive to new, to new music, uh, ends for the average person. And looking back at my own life, that that's pretty true for me. Um, and again, this makes sense because it's like when you are young and when everything is new, uh, there's just so much more impact from every little thing that comes down the pike versus once you've seen it all, you've seen it before the, you know, the, the days become more jaded. I, I talked about this, I think, just maybe it was last episode, how uh, with comic books. Uh, I can still read comic books, I can still enjoy comic books, but I can never again really experience that feeling of being like 12 years old and having a big stack of comic books and being able to just sit in my room and read them for hours on end. That You, you lose that kind of uh, growing phase um, as life moves on. Because again, too, when you're... Under the age of, I'd say, uh, 30, I guess, you know, every little, every week is an eternity. Every year is 20 lifetimes. Where now it's like, you know, I I roll over in bed and the next morning when I wake up, 20 years has passed, you know? So just, just, I think the perception of time changes, uh, the context of time changes, and the ability to be impacted uh, by experience changes as well. Um, and plus you, you start to have just much larger experiences in your life. Like you're, uh, you know, uh, maybe you have kids and you're watching your kids grow. Maybe you have to experience the death of a parent. Maybe, uh, you know, you get married and you experience the evolution of your life with your partner. These things all bring more dimensions to life than just getting excited about a new record or, uh, uh, a new comic book. I mean, not that those things aren't still fun, but you know what I mean? It, expectations change, perceptions change. Etc. So I understand why the old man becomes jaded or the old woman becomes jaded or whoever becomes jaded. That makes sense to me. Um, but here's the thing that's like been weirding me out. And this has been going on for a while now. This is, I, I started to notice this when my kids were young and they were going to a kindergarten through eighth grade school. So even when they were like, you know, first grade, second grade, they were also like uh, ninth grade kids. Um, or no, sorry went through eighth grade. There were no ninth grade kids at the school. There were eighth grade kids at the school. So even when your kids were small, you were starting to have a window into what the kind of older youth were into uh, in that day and age. And I noticed that a lot of the eighth grade youth, as they were uh, careening towards their teenage years, were starting to get get into popular music, get into edgy preteen or early teen stuff. And for this one group of dudes much like I experienced in my own life at that age, uh, they were starting to get drawn into like uh, thrash music, heavy metal music. 
Um, but the weird thing is, is they were all starting to sport merchandise from the same bands that I did when I was their age, many, many, not just years, but decades prior. These guys were wearing Suicidal Tendencies hats, DRI t-shirts, Metallica t-shirts. And it's like, huh, you know, it's just, it's very strange to me that there wouldn't have been any uh, new significant acts to fill that void you know, in the 25, 30 years since those were the acts that were filling the void for me. And because those were new bands at the time, they were not classic bands. And at this point, we're talking beyond classic, and we'll get to that in a minute. Um, But the funny thing is, so now it's even been years since I saw that first wave of young dudes rocking suicidal and DRI stuff, because, I mean, that's got to be going on... uh, 10 years ago now, you know? Um, and also with this stuff, you never know how anecdotal it is. Like maybe I just happened to see this one group of young guys that were just freakish anachronists and were really into nineties thrash for whatever reason. Um, and maybe that, 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 that resurgence has already come and gone and, and people have moved on to something else. But uh, a whole County over an hour car ride away and several years into the future, I was taking a walk the other day and uh, I'm walking down this residential street and I hear the telltale sound of a kid thumping on a bass drum, uh, getting his drum kit ready. And it's like, oh, that's funny. It's a band practicing in a garage. I haven't heard that in a long time. It was a a staple sound of my, my own youth was the proverbial band practicing in the garage. So I hear this band practicing in the garage and again, I hear that amplifier, the, the telltale sign of, you know, the guitars plugging into the amplifier and they're getting ready to go. And as I'm walking by the house, they break into their first number. And involuntarily, a smile creeps onto my face because I hear the familiar tones of quite possibly not just one of my favorite uh, riffs of all time, guitar riffs, but quite possibly one of my favorite pop cultural artifacts of all the times. I hear the music start, and I hear Seek and Destroy by Metallica, the greatest metal song of greatest metal songs that was so great that it was worthy of being used as an entrance theme for the Crow era sting in WCW. Seek and destroy. That's right. Here, in an unassuming neighborhood in Napa, California, original Alta Heights, inside of a garage, a group of four little kid looking preteen twerps in the year 2021 are performing a flawless rendition of Seek and Destroy. So on one hand, that's absolutely amazing. That's a testament to all that is right in the world that uh, the greatness of metal cannot be tarnished by age. Well, it can be tarnished by age if you listen to uh, Metallica's catalog over time. But but those original metal screams are continuing to echo in all of their high quality uh, all these decades later. That's great. 
But on the other hand, it's still really weird, man, because it's like I think back to when I was a little kid in a garage band. And now let's see here. I, I, I even think I've, I've pondered this in another form on another episode of the show before. But let, let's get done to brass tacks. Let's get some actual uh, factual, uh, as ISR would say, proof data here. Let's see. Metallica, Seek, and Destroy. Just typing this into the Google machine for a release date. Uh, so this was, um, getting some conflicting information here. Um, okay, more or less, this was a 1983 song. 1983. What year did I say it was? 2021. So it was a 2021 minus 1983. The Google machine tells us, folks, the song's 38 years old. 38 years old. I have adult friends that aren't as old as this song. Um, and that's fine. But let's look at the year that I started playing around in bands in garages. And that was more or less, eh, give or take, let's say 1993. And in 1993, something like Led Zeppelin was considered ancient hard rock music. Now, let's see. Led Zeppelin, what years were they around? The Google machine says they were formed in 68. Formed in 68. So that wasn't their peak, but let's, let's, let's be, uh, let's take it all the way here. Let's look at that, that starting date in 68. And when I was starting to do garage music, 93 minus 1968, Google machine says, yeah, so they were 25 years old when uh, I started playing in bands. They were 25 years old as a band versus 38. That is 38 minus 25. 13-year difference. That's semi-significant. But again, Led Zeppelin seemed so ancient. And it certainly wasn't the music we were looking to play in the uh, garage. In fact, one of my favorite bands at the time... Screeching Weasel had a song called I Hate Led Zeppelin because it was considered geriatric, old, out-of-touch music um, versus uh, something like Metallica that, while aging, is still, um, as recent surveys of garages and Alta Heights have shown us, uh, part of the currently active popular culture music landscape. So, again, I understand unyielding old people who won't accept new things. But how do we explain this strain of the youth today being perfectly happy to embrace the things that their parents liked with open arms? I can't even imagine liking the things that my parents liked when I was 14, when I was 15. Uh, when I was 14 or 15, I was in my room with the walls covered with pictures of heavy metal bands from heavy metal magazines and my parents uh, being concerned that all of this dark imagery was uh, detrimental to my health and antisocial. Um, but I don't know. I don't know what's changed culturally. Why, 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 did, why is the youth now receptive to liking what their parents like? Uh, why hasn't there been a new uh, generational sea change where they're not even listening to like metal or thrash wouldn't even exist. Like, why isn't there some, some just completely new thing that's taken over? And I guess there are here and there. I guess I see this uh, uh, with my own children and uh, the grave disappointment they are to me when it comes to video games. 
uh, how they will shun or turn away like quality AAA titles. Like they're, they're not interested in sitting down and playing like a Legend of Zelda game. They want to sit there playing Roblox or, or Minecraft for 40 hours. I makes no sense to me, but that's probably how it should be where, where, where the youth has their own thing and they don't quite understand what, what the elderly are into and the elderly have their thing and the youth don't understand, uh, vice versa. Uh, I don't know. Who knows? doesn't really matter. Just kind of interesting to me. This is something that I've, I've wondered about over the last 10 years is where this came from of the youth, um, being open-minded to nineties music. Um, I actually wonder if that means that there is some truth to that. In my day, it was a lot better. I, I guess I'm vindicated. The old people, old Gen Xers of the world unite. We are, we are vindicated in that in my day, things were, in fact, better. Yes, Albert A., if you are out there this week, in my day, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles were an edgy, gritty, black and white comic book, not an after-school cartoon dumbed down and designed for kids. That's how it was in my day, as opposed to your millennial generation, young man, son. Uh, and that was the Albert Day run-in for the week. And for this week, I think we're about done. I got a splitting headache. I'm hoping it's not COVID. Uh, it would be a real bummer to be taken out this late in the game. Um, I am just sitting here waiting waiting to get microchipped, um, watching just about everyone else in the world seeming to get it. And uh, I guess I just need, if I really wanted to, I should just sit down and like refresh browser windows all day until I find a vaccine appointment. But that just, I, I haven't, uh, haven't brought myself to that point yet. So instead, I'm still here. Uh, I'm still here stressing over mystery ailments that probably don't even exist. I might be imagining this headache, um, but I do feel like I have one. I don't know. Folks, God willing, I will be back next week. Um, this was episode 35. We hope to return in one week's time with 36. Uh, thanks for coming along once again for some sensational tales of the everyday. I have no idea what next week will bring, but I'll try to think of something between now and then. As you may have heard right now, the Stuck at Home show is winding it on down as the pandemic appears to be coming to an end. And so we are all waiting to see what the future of the IC Robots Radio Network at large has to bring to us as far as flagship content. We will keep you posted on anything we hear here on the Mr. Sensational Gino Vega podcast. Uh, until then, until next week, until something else comes down the pike, this is Mr. Sensational Gino Vega for the Mr. Sensational Gino Vega podcast on the IC Robots Radio Network, signing off. He's his own man and he's nobody
Check it out. He's not like anybody else. If his friends ever need him, well, he's there to help. And all the kids, well, they go wild. And all the young people start to act like a child. Don't double-cross him or get in his way. Because if you do, you're going to have to pay to the man called Sting. He's a man called Sting. The man called Sting. Well, he's a man called Sting. He's a man called Sting. Hey, he's a man called Sting. Guitar. Not too soon. Guitar. Or drums. No, I called it guitar. If you've hung out this long, there's some amazing lyrics coming up. After this guitar song. Right, All over the world, he's such a smash. You know it's over when he does the stinger splash. He loves his honey. He loves the rock. But they're talking about the ultimate warrior back in NWA. But no one important loves the stinger death rock. Don't you dare cross him or get in his way. Why? You're gonna have to pay to the man called Sting. The man called Sting. The man called Sting. He's a man called Sting. I can't get up that high anymore. Old age, man. Okay, we're gonna call it. Call it. That's enough. 